it was uh, 1997, January the 25th. And if you were in Baronia, uh, in Melbourne, a suburb of Melbourne, on that date, uh, you could have gone to the Baronia Baptist Church and seen the most beautiful woman in the whole world walk down the aisle. She was in a beautiful white wedding dress and she came to the most handsome guy. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Uh, but she, he, she came down the aisle and as I saw her, she was just perfect. Um, after the wedding uh, all happened and, and we were just thrilled to finally be married, we got into the car, uh, Rolls Royce, and uh, Herb, our driver, um, Herb, that was his real name, as a good name for a driver, uh, opened the, the Rolls Royce and allowed us to slide in on the seat. The only problem was uh, Mandy's bridesmaid, chief bridesmaid, had put water over the flowers, which were dead anyway, you know, like they've already been cut off, but she sprayed water over them. And the water came through the flowers and onto Herb's red leather seat, which he'd just polished hours before, so it was already. And we just did not know what was going on. We were unaware of the disaster that was unfolding in the back seat of that wedding car. Because as we drove, Mandy got red leather polish all over the back of her. I'm finding it hard to even say it. <laughs> <laughs> but what a moment for a bride. I mean, perfect and spotless. And all of a sudden, red, right down the back. Mandy held it together so fabulously. I was proud of her. I knew this would be the woman that could bear the two, our two children and <laughs> would be able to make it through anything after that. You know, I think about that and I think that's a little bit of what it was like when Adam and Eve were in the garden. The world was perfect and spotless. There was nothing at all wrong. And then... This, this serpent came along and tempted them. And you know the story. They took from the fruit. And this world that was perfect and like a beautiful vase was just smashed on the ground in the pieces. Although we try and glue this world back together, we'll never be perfect again. Sins entered this world since Adam and Eve turned their back on God. As a result of that, suffering is around us. I just think back in my life and I know that suffering is part of this world that we live in. I remember my brother and his wife giving me a call and saying that they're twins that were born 26 weeks premature, were having troubles. And today uh, they have two three-year-old twins and one still can't walk properly. She's a beautiful girl. But we don't know whether she'll ever be able to walk properly. You know, we listen to the news this week and we hear those tragic stories about some of the abuse that's gone on in community, Aboriginal communities. And it grieves us that there is suffering going on. 
Uh, I'm often sent emails about prisoners who are in prison over in places like China and other countries because they're sharing the gospel and their lives are threatened and are at stake. All around us we face, we see suffering and many of you face suffering, are facing suffering right now in different ways. So I wonder how you and I should face suffering in our lives. As Christian people, how should we face suffering? Well, let's open our Bibles and turn to James. James chapter 5 and verses 7 to 12. James chapter 5. And verse 7 to 12, it's exciting, isn't it? Look how much we've got to go. Not much. So we're up here to James chapter 5 and verses 7 to 12. Be patient then, brothers, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop and how patient he is for the autumn and spring rains. You too, be patient. And stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against each other, brothers, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Brothers, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we consider blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and you have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Above all, my brothers, do not swear, not by heaven, nor by earth, nor by anything else. Let your yes be yes and your no, no or you will be condemned. So how can we deal with suffering? How can we face suffering? Is our PowerPoint working people up the back? No chance there? You just go with it. If it pops up, fabulous. Um, Last week, Phil shared um, from James 5, 1 to 6. Gee, I'm loving being part of this uh, series. Phil's been really challenging us from God's word, hasn't he? And it's been really great. I've been in conversations all week about uh, what we can do with the excess. You know, it's, um, God's been really speaking to us. And I know he's been challenging many people, as we've heard from different people at night. So thanks, Phil, for wrestling with that passage. And uh, it's been last week where in the passage... From verses 1 to 6, James was dealing with the rich people. And it was people that, uh, it seems, weren't um, Christians because he says, you know, you're going to be weeping and wailing because misery is going to come upon you. And it seems that the uh, rich people were oppressing the poor and they were ripping them off. And they were not paying for their work and they were living in, in luxury. And they were causing the poor people to be oppressed and to suffer. 
Now, this, week passage, this week's passage moves from those rich people who were oppressors of the poor and turns the focus onto those who were being oppressed. And these people were Christians. They were people that James could call brothers and sisters. He calls them dear brothers and sisters in the Lord. It seems that these believers were those that were really struggling under the oppression of what these rich people were doing. Now, the truth is that each one of us will face suffering. The Bible talks about if you're a follower of Christ, you will suffer. It says it clearly, 2 Timothy 3, 12. Listen to what it says. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ, will be persecuted. Everyone. 1 Thessalonians 2.2 2 goes on to say, you know, we had previously suffered and been insulted in Philippi, Paul says, as you know, but with the help of our God, we dared to tell you his gospel in spite of strong opposition. And 1 Peter 2.21 says, to this you are called because Christ suffered for you leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. Now, if you are alive today uh, and you're a Christian and following Christ and you're following him with all, um, responding to all that Christ is, is calling you to do, you're going to suffer. And tonight we, we need advice on how to face suffering. And James is great because he, he tells us how we can do that. First thing he says is, stand firm, patiently, when you're suffering, because the Lord is coming. He says in verse 7, be patient then, brothers, until the Lord's coming. James uh, says just there, he says, uh, be patient. And the sense of this patient comes kind of from the idea of waiting for the arrival of someone. You know how you're waiting for someone to turn up. Maybe you've been at a restaurant and they're, they're still coming and you're thinking, I wish they were here, but you just got to wait patiently. You know, um, there's this patience, like it has an expectation about it the way this word is. It's like you might be waiting someone for someone to suddenly appear or to deliver uh, something to you. I can remember many, I think now you have to go on the internet or you get them emailed to you, but I remember waiting for my VCE results and boy, what a wait that was. I remember sitting at home and thinking, where is the postie? And because everybody was getting their results, I think it must have come later. And so I ended up just waiting right next to the letterbox, you know, sitting there with a little drink and just waiting for the whole day. I was waiting and waiting for this postie to find out. This is a, I was patient and it was a patient expecting the arrival of the postie with results that would end my suffering. <laughs> Not really. Um, but this is the sense of that. You know, I remember too, my brother would often pick me up from Baronia Station. And I would always get off that train and I'd say, I bet he's not going to be there. I bet he's not going to be there. And I don't think he was ever there when I got off. And I'd just wait. End of a day, it'd be getting dark. Think, where is my brother? 
and I'd wait. And James says, be patient. You know, wait expectantly, but be patient. It's the kind of waiting for someone to arrive. And he says this to these people who are in the midst of suffering because people are oppressing them and not giving them their money, not giving them their uh, wages and taking advantage of them. And he says, be patient in the midst of suffering because the Lord is coming. That's the thing that we're waiting for. That's the uh, awaiting that they're waiting for, the person whose presence they're awaiting. And they need to wait patiently because the Lord is coming and it's going to be good because all the rewards of your patience is going to be uh, realised. You're going to receive what you've been waiting for. And Jesus will come and justice will be dealt to your oppressors and the fruit of your waiting will be received, James is saying. You know, it would be like maybe someone is picking on you and you're putting up with it patiently because you're waiting for the presence of your big brother to arrive and smash them up. (laughs) You know, James is saying... You know, as you wait, people, and you're waiting for the return of Christ, endure this oppression patiently, knowing that God is coming and one day you're going to receive your rewards for being patient and waiting and they're going to receive justice for the way they've treated you. So wait. Wait. And in order to explain this, he he explains more by illustrating to us how we're to wait. He says, see how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop and how, he, how patient he is for the autumn and spring rains. In Israel, the autumn rains came in October and November and soon after the grain was sown was, was when they came. And the spring rains came in March and in April, just prior to harvest. But in the midst of that, the farmer had to wait. He couldn't make it rain. He couldn't uh, have any control over whether the rain would come down or not because totally he was dependent on God. And so he had to wait and wait patiently, uh, hoping and longing for the day when these rains would come and a beautiful crop would be ready. And harvest would come and pull up all the good stuff that had been grown. And that's the way that James says we should wait. We should wait patiently because the Lord's coming. And one day he's going to come and the rain's going to, like the rain that the farmer receives and all the good that's come from our godly life that has been lived in patience will be rewarded. So... This, James says, verse 8, you too be patient, just like that farmer, and stand firm because the Lord is near. He says, stand firm, sisters and brothers. Hey, you guys, just like that farmer, in the midst of suffering, God's coming and you're going to reap that harvest. So stand firm. I remember hearing about my a sister's friend at primary school. She was leaving the home one day and she had a beautiful collie dog like Lassie 
and she was leaving home and the dog just was following her down the road and she turned around and she said, stay, and walked off. And she went to school and played at school and did all her work and came back and the dog was still 20 minutes, uh, 20 metres from the home, right on the same spot as she said, stay. Think of all those cats walking by, poking their tongues out, and that dog stood firm right through the day. You know, that's what, that's what kind of James is encouraging us to do as we suffer, as we might suffer injustice, as we might suffer hardship. He's saying, stand firm. Wait patiently. Wait for the appearing of God, of Jesus, for his coming again. How does this apply to us today? Well, he says to us that we're to wait. And some of us are suffering tonight in all different ways. You and I are suffering. Perhaps for you, someone's intimidating you. Perhaps you live your life and there's someone who's intimidating and picking on you because of your faith. Could be happening right at home. There might be people that just make fun of you constantly. Or it might be at school as you stand up for what you believe in. As you don't want to be part of those, the jokes or the parties that might be really the stuff that's going on at those and you want to stand strong, you might be copying it. It might be really hard. James says to you tonight, stand firm. Stand firm. Wait patiently. Because the Lord is coming. Could be tonight that some of you are suffering from illnesses. Might be that you've been told that you have major treatment ahead. And it may be that you just wish that there was something that you can do about it. But really, when it comes down to it, all you can do is face this suffering with patience. Could be that some of you are in the midst of treatment that has been going for a long, long time and it's getting hard and it's getting difficult to just keep turning up week after week. Or James says to you, stand firm. Stand firm patiently because the Lord is coming. It's encouraging words from him. And it might be uh, that for you, you're in circumstances that you just find yourself so hard to tolerate. Perhaps you, you, you have to be alone and yet you just longed that you were with somebody. And you just wish that you could have a friend. Perhaps you want a job and no matter how hard you try and how much you apply, you can't find one. Perhaps you can't have children and you're married and you're longing to have children. Perhaps you just can't earn enough money to support your family and you're suffering because of that. God's saying, hey, patience, patience, don't give up. Don't give up. Stand firm because the Lord's coming. I know what you're thinking. The Lord's near. Jonathan, this was written 2,000 years ago. They thought the Lord was near then. How can you say the Lord's near today? Well, it's true. 
Right then, they were believing that Jesus could come at any moment. And they were living uh, ready, uh, expecting that, that Jesus would come at any time. And we have had year after year after year has passed by since that time. You know what? I think as we look at it today, as we look at the signs around, you know, there's been uh, tsunamis, earthquakes, wars. There's been people that have been spreading rumours of wars. There's been people that have been distorting the truth. Uh, there are so many signs around that, you know, I would think it would be kind of silly or presumptuous to say that it, it just possibly couldn't be soon. I think we need to be ready that it could be tonight. We need to live as though it could be the first thing in the morning that Jesus is coming. You know, the Bible says, be ready because the Son of Man is going to return like a thief in the night and he's going to come. You know what the good news about that is? Is that when he comes, he's going to take away all the suffering. You might want to just flick with me across to Revelation chapter 20, last book in your Bible. Revelation chapter 21. And look what the vision that John has at the end of time. You know, we saw the start where everything was perfect, just like Mandy's bridal dress, uh, wedding dress. And then now we're going to see what it's going to be like at the end. And this is what John says. He says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. This is Revelation 21. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and I saw there was no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. And this is the part for you who are suffering. He says, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. Be patient. Stand firm. The Lord is near. You who suffer. Be encouraged. As we face uh, suffering, though, James goes on to give us some more helpful advice. He says in verses uh, 9 and 10, you know, that we're to endure, endure without complaining because the judge is near. We're to endure without complaining because the judge is near. The second way, is really to, to face our suffering without whining or as Norman said in one of his, all of his messages were memorable. But remember that one that he said, murmur, murmur. Remember that one? Uh, this is the same word. Don't murmur against each other. Some translations have that. And, and he's saying, you know, in the midst of, of suffering, James is saying, don't grumble. 
But notice uh, it, it, how often we tend to grumble when we're facing suffering, when we're in the midst of it. You know, we tend to uh, carry on. I don't mean just, you know, say things are tough. Boy, it's, it's, it's normal, isn't it, to say that things are tough and be realistic about what's going on. But I'm talking about the murmuring, you know, the carrying on. Like the Israelites in the desert. Now, remember, they just whined and complained and they said, oh, I wish we'd, if you brought us out of Egypt just to, so we'd die here in the desert. And, and it, oh, it, was, it was terrible as they kept murmuring and complaining. I want you to notice here in this verse that the murmuring is not against the people who are causing them the suffering. It's about their brothers and sisters. It's the people that are fellow believers that they're complaining about. And um, that's become the focus of their attention. And isn't it true that sometimes we can take out our frustrations when we're in the midst of suffering on those that are closest to us, our loved ones, those that are dear to us. You know, we can start to treat them badly, take them for granted, just start complaining about this and whining and carrying on all the time. And James says to us, endure without complaining when you're in the midst of suffering. So, you know, I've met Christians, so many Christians, who used to go to one church and now they go to another because somebody did something which upset them or hurt them and they couldn't endure this suffering. You know, I've met people that have had such small little things, but they've turned into big things as they've murmured and complained and talked about it, and it's become a real grip in their heart, you know, a real block. I've got a friend who I can phone who lives down in Melbourne, and I phone him from time to time, and as we start to talk, all I have to ask is, how's the church going? And it's a three-hour phone call. I mean, I sometimes hold out the phone to Mandy. And... <laughs> no, I don't really do that. <laughs> but I mean... I mean, really, someone didn't call him. Someone uh, asked somebody else to do something instead of asking him. Someone else uh, looked over him when they were looking for someone to do this task. And I keep saying to him, you know, really, can't you just forgive them? Or why don't you just give them a call and tell them the way they hurt you? But I just can't get through. I've talked for hours and hours and hours to this guy. But it's a block and it's really stopping him. And the guy's not going to the church regularly at all now. In fact, he's starting somewhere else. But he was at another church before he went to the church that he's complaining about now. And that's why James warns so uh, harshly here. Like he says, don't grumble against each other or you will be judged. Not only that, the judge is standing right at the door. Right at the door. So in the midst of suffering, instead of grumbling and letting it get a grip on me, I need to not do that. Because the judge is standing at the door. Now, the warnings are scary, aren't they? 
what is this talking about here? You know, James is talking to Christians. What are we talking about this judge? I thought Phil said that Christ died on the cross and he took the price and punishment of our sins. That's what you said, Phil, wasn't it? Yeah. So what's this judge thing? Jesus has paid and he's taken all of the wrath for our sins on the cross. And then we're saying the judge is standing at the door. Well, I don't think this is judging for our sins that James is talking about. He's talking to Christians and and Christ died once for all. And if we've put our trust in him, he's died for you. And if you've received that, you're forgiven. We keep coming to him all the time to ask forgiveness so that we're in right relationship with him all the time. But we belong to him. He's died for our sins. You won't have to stand judgment for sins that Christ died for. That's clear. Got that, everyone? Okay. What is this judgment? Well, over and over again in the Bible, it talks about stories about stewardship and and talents. You you know the stories where uh, the guy gives out different talents and they all take them and they try and do the best that they can with them and they come back and they either get more because of what they've done or they get less. And I think this is talking about rewards. It's talking about at this time we'll be judged in the way in which we've lived our lives as Christian people. And that time's coming. The judge is standing at your door. So I want you to notice, though, you don't need to be too afraid of that. When you look at the parables of the tenants, and all the time when the judge, when they come back with their tenants, you know, for those that have used it, it's good news. It's a time of rejoicing. So don't be afraid of that like it's going to be like the final day. You know, Christ, he's died for your sins. Eternal life is assured. But there's going to be a judgment on how you've responded. And it, it's related to your grumbling and complaining and the way you live your life now. So endure without complaining because the judge is near. How can you endure How can you endure in your life when you're keeping on uh, facing suffering? Well, know that enduring is what we're called to do, to suffer, and that it's commendable before God. I mean, this is what 1 Peter 2 and 20 says. How is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? like kids perhaps. But if you suffer for doing good and endure it, this is commendable before God. So know that when you suffer because you're living for Christ or when you're honouring him and you still suffer, know that that's commendable before God. He's pleased with you. You know, It's like what he says in the first chapter of James, count it all joy, brothers, when you face suffering of all kinds. So know that this is okay. God's pleased with this. 1 Peter 2.21 continues on and says, you know, to this you are called. This is what it's all part about being a follower of Christ because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. So remember, as you, instead of complying, you endure, thinking I'm just doing what Christ did when he was on earth. He suffered too. And when I suffer, I'm, I'm doing just what my saviour did. Then He says, how else can we endure? Well, look, he says in verse 10, brothers, uh, 
as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets. Look at them for encouragement and the way that they endured. Look at the way they spoke and they, in the name of the Lord. Who are some prophets that we could, could look at? Who are some people that we could do that? We could look at people like uh, Jeremiah, who was hunted by the men of his hometown and specifically it was hunted because they wanted to stop him from speaking about the Lord. What about Daniel, who, who refused to compromise in his prayer and ended up in a, in a lion's den? What about uh, John the Baptist, who was speaking and preaching of repentance and turning from sin and turning to God, and he lost his head? Look at those people. Be encouraged by their endurance in the midst of suffering without complaining and, and, and have courage today because the judge is near. James goes on and he says the final thing. Persevere in the midst of suffering. How does face suffering today? He says, well, persevere till the end. Persevere till the end because the Lord is faithful. If you have a look, at this verse he starts off and he says, as you know, we consider blessed those who have persevered, those who have not given up, those who have not turned back but kept on in the face of suffering without giving up. You know, there were times when uh, I was standing at the train station at night and I was thinking, he is not coming. I'm, my brother is not here. And there were times when I just sort of said, all right, that's it. And I started walking home. As soon as I did that, he would arrive, you know, and I'd miss him. He wouldn't see where I was and it'd be dark and he'd arrive and he'd come back. I'd get home and he'd say, where were you? I missed my lift because I didn't persevere in, in waiting. I didn't persevere uh, till the end in the midst of my suffering. It wasn't that bad of suffering. But for some of you, are facing incredible pain. Some of you are facing sickness and suffering that is causing so much pain each day, whether it's a backache, whether it's a, a chemotherapy that you need to keep having, whether it's the pain of people that are close to you just despising you, whether it's the suffering of where you stand and live for Jesus, people make fun of you. It is hard and it's hard to face it every day and it's painful, but persevere. Persevere to the end. Why? Because the Lord is faithful. Just look at Job. Job was a wealthy man. He had so many things and he had so much that, uh, that he lived for. He honoured God in everything that he did. And people looked at him and saw how righteous he would be. But put yourself in this position. Your family is killed. Everything you own has been destroyed. Your health is failing. You're not dying but are constantly in agony. Then your friends tell you that you're in, a, in that position because you're not right with God and there's something you've got to confess. You believe that God is in control but you cannot understand what he's done wrong. Instead of cursing God, you know what Job said? He said in Job chapter 1 and verse 21b, he said, The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. May the name 
of the Lord be praised. You know, Job persevered. And in his own lifetime, he was given so much more than he ever had before. But, you know, it's not the things that you get that are important. It's the fact that you persevere that is important. Some people don't receive anything in this lifetime apart from the knowledge that they've persevered with God. And then what they find at the end of their life is that God is full of compassion and mercy. Just finally, James says, Above all, my brothers, don't swear, not by heaven nor by earth nor by anything else. Let your yes be yes and your no be no, or you will be condemned. You know, uh, there are people who know that God is faithful. So in the midst of suffering, they just trust that he's faithful. Then there are other people that go, well, God, I swear that I promise I'll do this and I promise I'll do that. And, oh, Lord, if you'll just relieve this suffering in the name, I'll pray. I swear to God that I'll do this to you. You As if they can somehow hurry up God or get him to do things that they don't want to. You remember Peter said, God, I will never turn away from you. He made bold claims. And yet, around that campfire, he said, I swear I'm not that man. James is just saying, just trust in God. Trust that he's full of compassion and full of mercy and just endure. You don't have to make big claims. You don't have to try and be arrogant about your faith. Just trust in him. You who are suffering, let James's words be a great encouragement to you because the Lord is near. The time of his return is coming. The suffering will end one day and God is full, full. That word has this sense of overwhelmingly, abundantly full of compassion and mercy. And it will be worth all the weight, all the patience, all the perseverance that you can ever muster. Let's pray together, shall we? Oh God, we just don't like living in a world where there's suffering. God, it is hard. Each day is just a new day where sometimes we just need to remind ourselves, God, that you are full of compassion and mercy. And God, for many of us, we just long for the day where you will wipe away every tear, where there'll be no more death, no more suffering. But God, give us strength. Give us courage. Oh God, we pray that you would give us just the ability to be those that face suffering, standing firm patiently because, Lord, you're coming. Would you give us the courage, God, to be those that endure without complaining because you, our judge, are near. And, God, would you help us to persevere till the end because, Lord, you're faithful.
This is our prayer. In Jesus' name. Amen.